0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse, and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Har, and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast, where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of Dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune in to the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. You're now listening to the Destination Debbie Podcast. I present your host, Ray Garvin, the creator of Destination Debbie, and your go-to source for all things Debbie and college football.
1: Right, welcome back for episode 33 of the Destination Debbie podcast. I am the host, Ray Garvin. You know where to find me on Twitter, at RayGQ. Make sure you follow on the show at Destination Debbie as well. And this evening, I am very excited to be joined by a guest that I've been a friend of in the fantasy football community here for the past couple of months. And he's a he's a really outstanding guy. He knows his Debbie content He is the director of DFF Devi and DFF College. He hosts the newest and one of the most unique shows out there on Twitter right now, The Devi Diet. He had a very fantastic, one of the best Devi shows that I've seen in a long time. The episode dropped yesterday. If you haven't seen it, you have to go to his Twitter page. I mean, it is great. A tier one content. That last episode that he put out was fantastic. It is the man, the myth, the legend kane fossil how are you doing tonight kane
0: hey i'm doing well man thanks for having me on i appreciate the invite
1: now, how are you feeling after that episode of the Devi diet the other day are you uh you hanging in there
0: yeah i'm i'm fine now i think it took probably a good 20 or 30 minutes for that uh for that chip to stop burning my mouth so that was <laughs> some impressive heat they put on that bad boy
1: well, uh, we uh we all enjoyed it, man. But what we enjoy more is hearing your college football analysis, the way that you integrate Devi with uh, current dynasty players. So I just want to jump right into this, Kane. We are in a, a tape versus tape versus data Devi league together, and uh, I- I'm looking at the rankings right now because I-, I know I'm at the top of my division, as most people would expect. At eight and three, and, and I see you're you're there still battling for a playoff spot at five and six. But it was a really interesting concept. We got six film guys together versus six data analytical guys, and we formed a Devi League, and we're battling for uh, dynasty Devi supremacy. But what I wanted to kind of talk about, Kane, and this isn't on the show sheet, but. I went back and I looked at our Devy draft that we did July 15th, right? So I'm just going to throw out a couple of names of of some players who were selected in that. And this is a super flex league PPR for you guys listening. So one-on-one Trevor Lawrence, DeAndre Swift, uh, Tua, Jonathan Taylor, Travis Etienne, Jerry Judy, Rondell Moore, Justin Ross, LaVisca Chenault, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, and Jalen Rager were the top 12. Looking back on that top 12, Kane, does anybody stick out as sort of how the heck did, you know, they go where they're at, or is everything pretty much status quo in that first round?
0: Yeah, I think it was pretty much status quo at that point, Um, especially at the time it was at... um Obviously had two of the better quarterbacks go. Obviously, if this was done now, you'd have guys like Joe Burrow, obviously, that would be in the conversation. But for the time it was at, it it all makes sense to me at least.
1: All right, so the second round, this is how the second round unfolded. Tyler Johnson at 201, CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs, Justin Herbert, Brian Edwards, Eno Benjamin, T. Higgins at 207, Justin Fields at 208, Jake Fromm, Chuba Hubbard at 210 zamir white and kylan hill rounded out the second now I, I personally i see a couple of man i can't believe he fell that far but anybody in that group of players just kind of stick out to you as uh, undervalued or we were a little too high on back in july
0: Yeah, I think the two that stick out to me the most that obviously could have been drafted a little higher if we were doing things now, you obviously have CeeDee Lamb and you have Justin Fields who have um, really elevated their game to the next level. And they're going to be really great picks in the NFL draft. And it's going to be great for fantasy football. So those two guys um, definitely stick out a little bit. Obviously, um, if anyone hasn't figured out, I'm obviously the one that drafted Tyler Johnson that early. he's my guy he obviously some worrisome news came out that he was only going to the shrine bowl and not the senior and not the senior bowl so that kind of scares me a little bit um but I'm sure we'll get into that a little later in the episode
1: all right and the final round we did three rounds so here we go top of the third Najee Harris Amon Ross St. Brown Tylan Wallace AJ Dillon JT Daniels Colin Johnson I know you've got something to say about him Brian Robinson, uh, Robinson Jr., Trey, S- Trey Sermon, John Emery Jr., Keyshawn Vaughn, Ty Chandler, and Jalen Waddell rounded out our Devi Draft. Any any sort of surprising picks looking back on at hindsight 2020 now from that uh, third round of our uh, Devi Draft?
0: Yeah, obviously Emery going where he did, um, I think is a little high to me. Um, I know personally I was trying to trade back up to the last pick of the third round that was um, up for trade, and I obviously was going to take Rashad Bateman because I bleed maroon and gold, and that's just the way it goes. Um, But another one too high is Colin Johnson. I just don't understand the allure with Colin Johnson. I've watched a lot of his tape. He spent obviously a lot of the season this year hurt, and it's really confusing me as to why we're seeing so much love for him. I don't know if you have... Um, a lot to say on Colin Johnson, but I don't even think he's the best receiver on his own team. Um, so that definitely says a lot to me.
1: Yeah, he he's not. Devin DuVernay is the best wide receiver at the University of Texas. Uh, I was higher, but not high, on Colin Johnson coming in to this season. I just thought he was going to really take a massive step forward, but injuries, and he, again, like you said, he's been outproduced on his own team. I'm not a fan of his uh, archetype. I'm not a fan of his game. And we will talk about him and Tyler Johnson here in a second. But for me in this third round, Najee Harris going 3-1 was surprising. I don't think he would fall that low if we were redoing this. John Emery at 3-9. I think all of us were uh, anticipating a John Emery Jr. takeover in that backfield. But the reason why I sort of wanted to dive into this to kick the show off, Kane, is during this time, those 2020 picks that are coming up in our rookie draft, they seem to be throwaways, right? And some names that you didn't hear, Devin DuVernay, Antonio Gandy-Golden, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Clyde Edwards-Elaire. It just, it, you know, and now that our trade deadline is passed, man, I was trying like hell to acquire some 2021s in our league because, you know, we we throw away those depleted uh, rookie draft picks in Debbie Leagues when every season. And and you know this, I know this, the people that are listening, know this people emerge out of nowhere during the season. And and like you said, Rashad Bateman wasn't selected. There are so many players in college that you can't just dismiss those rookie draft picks in Debbie leagues because you know, whoever has the, all those twenty twenty first that we traded away, they're going to be happy campers come rookie draft time. What What are your thoughts about that?
0: Yeah, I know for me personally, at least in that league, um, I definitely was behind the eight ball. I was obviously one of those guys that drafted Andrew Luck high. Um, so I was really hurting at quarterback. Um, so I obviously had to move that 2021st. first. I didn't really want to get rid of my uh, Devi first, but I wanted to get rid of my rookie first just so I can get some more equity at the quarterback position. I ended up trading it, um, I believe, straight up for Nick Foles, which at the beginning of the season in the Superflex League, um, it makes sense. Um, but obviously, then the injury to Nick Foles and everything like that, it just definitely uh, hurt my team not to have that pick, especially now that I've kind of eaten the injury bug, it seems like, in that league where um, at one point last week, I didn't have any healthy wide receivers to start. Um, so it's definitely just something that happens with fantasy football. But uh, yeah, like you're saying, that this first round, even with it being Debbie depleted, you know, this is just what we call kind of that bizarro season. Uh, you know, it's been a weird fantasy football season for most people. And it it's not any different in college football. Um, but it's normal with college football, right, that we have the guys that kind of come out of nowhere. And then, um, like, the Joe Burrows and, you know, the LSU running backs that always just seem to be coming out of nowhere um and playing really really good football and then you have Devin Duvernay who's kind of coming out on a senior year and playing like the best receiver on that team and it's guys like that that you didn't expect that you've kind of been watching years and years of film of and then all of a sudden it's like oh my gosh like I don't know if the coaching got better or if something just finally clicked for them but they're really playing a lot better and those are the kind of things that we love to see especially for a senior um to do that in college football
1: yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly, and I I admittedly have already put together, and I'm not going to disclose that on this show to you, Kane. but I've already put together a top 20 for our depleted rookie draft next year, and there are some guys there that I would be pretty excited to have on my roster, but seeing as I traded away all my picks, I will not be making those selections, but... Moving on to the mailbag strategy portion of this show. We got a couple of good listener questions this week. and let's uh, let's softball it to you and kick it off with this one from at Philly Cheese 10. Where do you have Bateman? and they're talking about Rashad Bateman wide receiver from Minnesota ranked for the 2021 ranked for 2021 and is Bateman a better pro prospect than Tyler Johnson? both seem like they will be NFL wide receivers. Love the Tyler Johnson to DeAndre Hopkins comps. So, Kane, uh, take it away with this one.
0: Um, I'll just answer the first part of the question first. I think I have him. Um, Rashad Bateman ranked at about... Um, four or five right now definitely has room to go up but when you're looking at some of the other guys that are obviously in this 2021 draft you have guys like Rondell Moore and Justin Ross, Jamar Chase and really any of those other guys that decide to stay a year you know can really elevate that stock. I definitely could see some of these wide receivers um, staying one year and just really getting a lot better um, for their senior season but when we Look at the second part of that question. Um, is Bateman a better pro prospect than Tyler Johnson? Yes. I'm not going to deny that. Yes, I love Tyler Johnson. Um, and I think he's a really great underrated receiver. Um, I just think that Rashad Bateman is going to fit the NFL game so much more. Um, he just is more physical and he uses his size a lot better. Um, I don't think Bateman is as good of a runner as Tyler Johnson. and It's definitely something that he could uh, work on in this next year and the rest of this year as my boys fight for a Big Ten championship. Um, But yeah, I would say something about that comp. That comp's not my favorite. The comp that I often use for Tyler Johnson is uh, Keenan Allen just coming out of college. I think they have similar skill sets um, with solid route running. I think they both use their hands off the line of scrimmage in a similar way. They both can work out of the slot, unlike Keenan Allen does quite a bit. And they're both going to run a similar 40. Obviously, that was the biggest knock with Keenan Allen. What did he run? A 477, yeah. I think, at something like that. A 477, I want to say, is the exact number. Um, so it's kind of. That's the comp I kind of lean to. I don't obviously mean Keenan Allen right now. I mean Keenan Allen when he was just coming out of college. I think they're very similar players. And I think that if you're gonna use draft capital on Tyler Johnson, you have to be able to utilize his route running and how quickly he can get off the line of this sc- line of scrimmage um, to be successful.
1: Yeah, I um you know, and and I defer to you when it comes to Minnesota football, but just in watching the game and having studied really Tyler Johnson more so than Rashad Bateman. But Rashad Bateman just pops every time I watch Minnesota play, and that's not to diminish or or knock Tyler Johnson because I am a Tyler Johnson fan. Currently, I have him as a top five wide receiver in the 2020 class. I think that his route running is just – I said it last year. I think he's got – elite route running skills, and he may not be elite in that category yet, but I do think he's got the skill to get there. Um, I, I really like how he competes for the ball. I don't – and I had this, this conversation with somebody this morning. I, I, I think Rashad Bateman is more athletic than Tyler Johnson. He looks faster. He looks a little more explosive in the open field, but I am a Tyler Johnson fan. I, I, I think, for me, I have Rashad Bateman ranked, I believe – sixth in the 2021 class. And the only reason I have him there is there are a couple of guys who are redshirt sophomores who I think will come back. Sage Surratt, uh, Tamarion Terry from Florida State, uh, but the 2021 class is deep. So by saying I have him ranked sixth, what's most important for me is he's a tier one wide receiver in the 2021 class. So I really like to rank inside the tier. So depending on landing spot is sort of where I would you know, end up sliding Bateman. But he is a tier one wide receiver for me in the 2020 class. Uh, next question comes from CA underscore McLean 92. What are your way too early 2021 rankings? What What names... Should we be keeping in mind when we're trading for 2020 first, 2021 first? So I'll just say we can take this question a thousand different ways, from superflex to single quarterback leagues, and we don't have all night to do that. So Kane, just give me some, some of your higher names in the 2021 class that people may not be thinking about right now.
0: Yeah, so I think one that we just need to bring up, not that people aren't thinking about them, but just that the injury – Um, Happens, so he hasn't been on the field, and that's Rondale Moore. Um, He's obviously my top wide receiver in this next class, um, but just a name I wanted to mention just because of the injury in case people, you know, pay attention, just kind of that second half of the college football season, definitely a name that I wanted to mention, and then two running backs that I'm, you know, moving up my boards every time I watch their film, and that's uh, Master Teague out of Ohio State, which I know you're a Big fan of Ray. And then um, my guy, Max Borgie, out of Washington State. Um, Max Borgie, probably the best pass-catching running back out of the backfield in that 2021 class. Um, I'll go ahead and say that now. Um, The way that he catches the ball at Washington State, I don't think that there's going to be a person that does it as well as he. And um, that's kind of one of those things that we need to look for that I've kind of been placing – a little more importance on when it comes to ranking these players, but just having that um, pass catching anybody out of the backfield just gets you so many more points. Um, and then if we're looking at super flex leagues, obviously you have Trevor Lawrence and uh, Justin Fields are kind of two of my big names when it comes to um, super flex quarterbacks.
1: I am a big master Teague fan, but you know, this 2021 class where we stand today It's not, it's definitely nowhere near as top heavy as the 2020 class, but I I am slowly, it's not even slowly, I do believe I have... Max Borgie as my running back, he's either two or one, because one guy that I was really high on coming into the season has severely underperformed this year, and that's Texas sophomore Keontae Ingram. He's got the size and all the, the skills to be a, a dynamite running back, but he has just not put it together. I know a lot of people automatically point to Zamir White out of Georgia I still need to see him do it. I mean, that's DeAndre Swift's backfield. That's Brian Harrion's backfield. It's James Cook as well. So I still need to see Zamir White in a feature back role. And he's got two C- two ACL injuries already on his career, so uh, that's concerning. We're talking about that with Sony Michelle and Todd Gurley. So I am concerned a little bit about Zamir White. I am a Master Teague fan. I have said that I believe that he will ha- he will be the Chuba Hubbard next year. That's that's who he's going to be. He's a redshirt freshman. Now, the fact that he's ranked in the top 10 and rushing in the big 10 this year, and he's not even the starter, is bananas. But two guys that I really want to talk about that I think in a, a tight end premium format, these guys are going to be home run picks. And it's Miami tight end Brevin Jordan and Florida tight end Kyle Pitts. Brevin Jordan, 6'3", 250. Kyle Pitts is like 6'6", 245. Both of those guys are elite pass-catching weapons. When you're looking at the 2020 class of tight ends, I I think there are some good players. Nobody elite. When I look at 2021, Brevin Jordan and Kyle Pitts are elite pass-catching weapons. So I'm really excited about those guys. And then from the quarterback position for Superflex formats, like Kane said, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are your guys at the top. But Brock Purdy out of Iowa State, Brock P is... uh, He's a very, very good quarterback prospect. Any thoughts on uh, Purdy before we move on to the next question?
0: Yeah, I've I've watched him a decent amount, especially last week. Um, in case you don't know, my brother's second favorite team other than Minnesota is Texas. Um, so I've watched a ton of Big 12 games and obviously got to see um, Brock Purdy play against Texas and beat Texas, um, which I'm very happy about because my favorite team is the team that faces Texas. (laughs) So that's just how brothers work. And, uh, yeah, what what really impressed me with Brock Purdy is just his ability to reset his feet as soon as he rolls out. Um, That might not sound like a whole heck of a lot, but when we see quarterbacks that are finding so much success in the NFL um, just off of rollouts, obviously the main one being Kirk Cousins in the NFL. Um, And just his ability to reset his feet after he rolls out. Um, And Brock Purdy can do it both left and right and um, really has a solid arm. And that's definitely something that I'm um, really going to continue to look for when it comes to Brock Purdy. But I did just want to mention one other guy that um, in this 2021 class, he's kind of been creeping up my board. Currently, he's actually sitting at 42 overall out of all my college players. And that's Stevie Scott the running back out of Indiana. Do you have any uh, thoughts about Stevie Scott before I kind of go into what I see?
1: Well, you know, coming into the season, I did hear about him, and I know he's got pretty good size. And if I believe his story, uh, he was he a defender, and then he moved over to running back? Uh, I, I know that he's got prototypical size. I think he's like six foot 225, 230, something like that. So I have not been able to dive into his game, but I know you've got some thoughts on him seeing him in the Big Ten.
0: Yeah, so he's actually a little bigger than you even mentioned. He's 6'2", 225. So he's really got um, some great size at that position. Coming out of college, he was only, or coming out of high school, he was only a three-star recruit. Um, he was the 80th running back on the board. Um, so obviously not not kind of the greatest um, recruit, but he's just a guy that that plays smart. He has, the thing that impresses me the most is just his vision to be able to find the holes. Um, obviously, if you kind of look at what Indiana's done so far this year, they probably should be ranked. Um, I'll say that now. Um, I think they're, what, seven and two? Something like that. So they're a really good team, and I think they do really well, um, just as Jacoby Brissett scores a touchdown. Um, I think that the team is really good, and he does a really good job finding rushing lanes and then uh, making sure that he gets in solid position when he's going out of the backfield for a pass, and that's definitely two things that I look for, Um, and that's another guy that I'm just going to continue to watch film about.
1: All right. I need to look into Stevie Scott because I like that size. And if he can do some of the things that you're talking about, he might be another one of those guys. You know, when you're talking about the 2021 running backs that can definitely rise up people's rankings. So this next question is from Dynasty Tools at Dynasty Tools. What off the radar players do you guys like moving forward? Maybe ineligible this year via a transfer or miss the year due to injury?
0: Yeah, so if you follow me at all on Twitter, um earlier this week I posted a video about Trey Sermon. Um, that's definitely a guy that I'm intrigued about. Obviously, he's had um a few injuries. He's shut down this season um for a knee injury. So I'm definitely um I'm cautiously optimistic about him, especially if we're looking at rookie drafts for the dynasty year coming up, that's someone that can be had, you know, with a late second, early third round pick. Um, and he has the, the good size. You can catch the ball out of the backfield. That's just a guy I'm willing to, uh, I'm willing to throw a pick at. Um, I know this draft is deep, but he's kind of one of my favorites in that, you know, that third, fourth tier of guys that if I'm, just at the point where I'm just kind of throwing darts at some players in rookie drafts, I'm always going to take a shot on him. I think Trey Sermon is really good and he has great size. You know, don't forget that name. If uh, obviously I don't know if he's going to be at the combine or not, if he isn't, don't be surprised to hear that name still in the third or fourth round and be like, oh, I didn't hear anything about this. Well, you heard it here and he's going to be a great player.
1: I like it. I like it. And for me, the guy that I that I want people to remember and and don't forget about, a wide receiver out of the University of Southern California, Brew McCoy. Now, Brew McCoy coming out of high school, 6 foot two, 205, dynamic, dynamic wide receiver. He was the number 1 rated athlete in uh, in his class in the 2019 class, number 9 ranked overall player. Now, his story was a little bit crazy. So, he committed to USC then he transfers and commit he flips his commitment to Texas, shows up to at the University of Texas for spring ball, was there for like a week, and then transfers back to USC, so is now he's ineligible, so he couldn't play this year. And the reason why he's so intriguing is, Uh, Amon Ross, not Amon Ross St. Brown, but Michael Pittman will be matriculating onto the NFL, and there's a good chance that Tyler Vons declares for the NFL draft as well. So that leaves Amon Ross St. Brown. They've got another uh, wide receiver, uh, London Drake, but Brew McCoy should slide into a starting role next year, and he is ultra, ultra talented. So Brew McCoy, along with uh, Kyle Ford, with Amon Ross St. Brown, a young quarterback in Keaton Slovis, and our new head coach, Urban Meyer, I'm calling it now. Urban Meyer will be the head coach of the USC Trojans next year. Brew McCoy is somebody that you guys should be targeting in your Debbie drafts come this spring. What do you think about Urban Meyer to USC, Kane?
0: You know, I think that makes <laughs> makes the most sense. Uh, you know, it's just right in his backyard. I totally understand that. And I don't know if it was, was it you that I was listening to on, um, was it on Debbie Happy Hour? Um, I went back and found that conversation of, who was it, Reggie Bush that was yep. talking to Urban Meyer. Yep. And that was the most awkward, yeah. but it was like, yo, you, you're going to coach my team, right? Like, it was kind of that, like, oh, you're the coach. Like, yeah. just accept it, it now.
1: It was the, in watching it live, so it was at halftime. For those of you that missed it, it was on the Debbie Happy Hour. Uh, awesome co-host, Dwight and uh, uh, Matt Griffith, man, Commissioner McGriff. Um, but um, it, it was during the, the the halftime show, and they were talking about Oregon being able to recruit in their backyard. And Reggie Bush said, "Oregon wins. Oregon. They recruit right out of the backyard. They don't lose kids uh, to from the state to go to other places." And then they said, "USC has been losing the battle in their own backyard." And and Reggie Bush was like, "You know, you know what coach could win the battle in their backyard? You know what coach could do it?" And everyone. <laughs> everybody on the set looked at urban Meyer and even he was just kind of sitting there like, uh, and then he, and then Reggie Bush goes back to the Oregon coach. It's such and such. And it was just the most awkward. He's the coach, but we can't say he's the coach moment. You had to, you had to hear it and see it to really feel it, but it was a very, uh, very awkward and funny moment. But, um, next question comes from the guy who was on last week, Jonah Moore. So at J Namor 24 and we actually had this conversation today, Kane in our uh, in one of our group chats on Twitter. Uh, everyone misses on players when evaluating. What is your process from learning from your misses and implying it towards future prospects?
0: Yeah, so we were talking about it today, and misses happen, especially when I think there's a little bit of disconnect sometimes between obviously the NFL Scouts and people who are just um, fantasy guys like we are, Um, But the first thing I look at is, first of all, how far was I off? Um, Kind of, at least, are my tiers making sense? Um, So, for instance, if I have a guy that I have at the top of the third tier, and he's being just drafted at the bottom of the third tier, I don't include that as a really big miss. But if they're a couple tiers off, that's when I'm really going to ask those questions. And the first thing I'm going to look at is, what is the skill set? of um, the positions that I'm missing. You know, if it's um, wide receivers that I'm missing on that might be really great route runners, um, but maybe might not be the fastest or have the best size, if those are the guys that I'm missing on, I'm going to want to reevaluate just kind of that skill set of guys and kind of move things down when I just kind of look at my final rankings. Um, So that's my first step. Figure out the skill set that I'm missing on. Um, Second, I'm really going to dive into um, that skill set and figure out, you know, when we hear the coaches talk about their draft picks and why they drafted them, and if they're happy, they're still on the board. I know coach speak is a hard thing to decipher, um, but that's one thing I'm going to look at. um, If, you know, they're drafting, let's say this next year, they're drafting a guy like, um, like Tyler Vons, like you were saying, from USC. Are they, are they going to talk about, you know, his speed, his size? Or are they going to kind of mention the other things that maybe I was missing on? And I'm really going to take that into account and go back to the film and see if I can find out what, uh, what the coach was really hitting on, what those scouts really liked about those players. Those are the two things that I want to do instantly. And then I'm just going to, you know, watch years down the road and see if, you know, there's any differences maybe a guy busts at the position that he was drafted maybe he becomes a gem that i thought he was great the whole time and he was a gem and maybe there was just a disconnect with you know maybe nfl scouts weren't as high as i was but i saw you know that different side of the talent um those are just a couple things that i like to look for
1: yeah this is a it's a <clears throat> it's a hard question it's it's really a hard question to answer and i don't believe that there is a one size fits all approach when you're trying to refine your scouting process. Now, a couple of things that I want to hit on. Yes, people are employed by NFL franchises to do the scouting, but we can't just assume that all of those guys are good at their jobs. I mean, we see it all the time. When we're sitting back on our couch and uh, Christian Ponder is drafted in the top 15 or E.J. Manuel or a whole bunch that of... That was exactly. very
0: rude to I, bring up Christian Ponder. <laughs>
1: I know it was. I did it. I I am uh, I'm evil like that. But you get what I'm saying. We're sitting back and we're thinking, how on earth did such and such get drafted at this point in time? I mean, it was so evident that they weren't a good player in college. What made these NFL teams think they were going to be good in the NFL? And conversely, you know, 31 teams, really 32 teams, passed on Lamar Jackson. You know, Baltimore got them the second time around. So it's just. We assume that those people who are employed by NFL teams are the best of the best at what they do, but there are some people in the fantasy football community that I, I can almost guarantee work harder at scouting some of these players than maybe some paid scouts do. So um, it, you, it's it's difficult because the league is a copycat league. So what I try to do is look at how teams are utilizing players in the NFL do we see a lot of six foot five, six foot six wide receivers set Sunday to Sunday? And right now, when you look at the landscape of the NFL, we don't. So some of those players with that archetype coming out of college are concerning. You know, Antonio Gandy, Golden, Colin Johnson, those big, enormous wide receivers. They, it is a little scary when you think about, you know, selecting somebody in your rookie draft that high. And then it's another one. It's it's just you really try to look at just some historical stuff. You know, what did I miss from uh, the the analytical side from the combine? Did did that poor three cone drill was that something that I should have paid a little more attention to, or maybe not? And it's just. It's all a guessing game, and you're just trying to use as much information as possible to make an educated guess because you know there were people who were didn't like dK Metcalf one bit he had a horrible three cone didn't look good in any of the short agility drills, but he blazed a forty time, and you know he's he's been and shown to be very effective at the next level um I, I just think that the biggest thing that I can say is have a process, whatever that process looks like, have a process track your process and you have to evaluate your process and your process only moving forward because I can't take what I do and use Kane's process and try to to fix mine so have something track it yourself make sure your you know your uh, method of scouting these players is ironclad and then just continue to work that it, that's really all you can do it's it is tough and there's nothing wrong with admitting you're wrong and you missed I do it all the time I missed on Cam Akers coming into the season I missed on Grant Calcaterra who you know I know he retired this evening but he was my tight end one coming into the class so if you miss it's okay to miss you know just just own it and move on
0: yeah I I totally agree and I will say I wasn't I was one of those guys that wasn't really high on uh what's his name out oh, in Seattle you had just mentioned him uh, DK Yeah, that's the guy. I don't even like him. I couldn't even remember his name. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I just wasn't. I wasn't the biggest fan of his. But I'm not gonna. Another thing I'm not gonna do is I'm not gonna write off my results um, just based on half a year or one year of NFL football, um, because things can change and they can draft players at that position and they could get guys you know in the seventh round that they might like more than DK. I don't know if that's gonna happen, but that's always a possibility. Um, So. Don't just write off your process after one year or after half a season, um, because you know dynasty football is a lifetime for these players. Um, We have them their whole their whole career, so don't just write it off after one, after you know half a season. Be like, well, I should trade for him now. Trust yourself. You saw something for on the tape for a reason, and just go with it.
1: Very true. Good advice. Good advice. Um, This one comes from one of our league mates in the Tape Versus Data League. DeWitt underscore dynasty go deep top three to five 2022 prospects at each position and how that class is shaping up so I don't know if I'm going to go through each position but I will give a couple of uh top 2022 prospects of quarterbacks wide receivers and running backs but you are the guest Kane so I will give it up to you first
0: yeah so um I know you knowing you Ray I know you have at least uh one running back that I'm very fond of as well. So I'm going to let you hit on that and I'm actually going to go to the wide receivers because I want to give some of those deeper names that I really liked coming out of high school that maybe just haven't had um, the opportunity to play this year. And what I saw as my one of my number one receivers really that top tier coming out of high school is Jaden Hazelwood wide receiver, Oklahoma. Um, the thing that really intrigues me man is just his grit. He's a guy that played on Um, A run-heavy offense, which I absolutely love to see because he's a really great run blocker, and that's not something you usually find coming out of school. Um, So that's definitely a guy that I really, really like, and I'm a huge fan of his. Um, We already mentioned Brew McCoy. He's obviously a stud, too. Um, Some other guys that I really like, Garrett Wilson. um, Didn't play a whole lot this year. Wide receiver, Ohio State. Um, I was a little confused to see why he didn't quite get in. Um, I'm really looking into into that situation, you know, to figure out why he didn't quite see the field as much as I wanted him to. Um, a guy that I'm starting to like more and more is uh, Blaylock out of Georgia. He was a five-star kid um, that just came in. I really like him, man. And um, kind of a last wide receiver that I want to mention is Cornelius Johnson um goes to michigan and i don't know what's going to happen you know with the wide receivers at michigan are people going to come back are they going to stay in the draft process i'm not sure but get ready for cornelius johnson because i think he's going to make a big impact as soon as he does get on the field obviously a little crowded um in the wide receiver room right now but as soon as he gets on the field i think he's really going to flash
1: Oh, I need to. I need to go back and watch uh, some of his film because I've heard the name, but I have not watched him extensively. So I need to go back and look at that. So um, I'll touch on some running backs, and I've got. Uh, I think I've got four running backs that I'm really intrigued about that I really want to get on my on my uh, dynasty rosters on my debut team Can I
0: guess the first one? Go ahead. Um, could it be Zach Charbonnet by chance?
1: I mean, that one is the free square. I mean, Zach Charbonnet is a stud. I'm at the University of Michigan running back. I mean, he's got NFL size. He's carrying the carrying the ball at Michigan, and they have no threat of a passing attack with Shea Patterson back there. So everybody knows that it's going to be Zach Charbonnet, and Hassan Haskins looks good as well at running back there. But, but Charbonnet – is uh, my running back one right now in the 2022 class. And and let me, let me just say this, and I am not uh, trying to slander or slam anybody's rankings out there, but I've seen a couple of 2022 rankings floating around and it looks like those individuals just went to 24-7 sports or rivals or whatever you use and looked at the top five running backs in the 2019, uh, coming out of high school in 2019 and just use those top five names. It's, it's John Emery. It's Trey Sanders. It's Zach Charbonnet. It's and Ely, And I'm like, no, that's no, no, you're wrong. And I'm not, I don't like to tell people that they're wrong, but you're wrong because they haven't done anything in college up until this point. Zach Charbonnet is a stud. Iowa State's freshman running back, Brees Hall, six foot, 215 pounds. He's got over 600 rushing yards on the season, 15 receptions. He is a stud. I'm a big fan of Brees Hall, and I promise you, I'm walking away with Brees Hall on a lot of my Debbie rosters next year. I'm also, also a big fan of Texas A&M true freshman Isaiah Spiller, six foot one, 220 pounds. He's got over six or seven hundred rushing yards on the season, and over 22 receptions right now as a true freshman, which is a big, big analytical box that he checks off. Um, at at a young age. And then I'm going to go deep on this one. And a guy who wasn't even supposed to be playing this year at the University of Southern California, Keenan Christian, one of the fastest players in college football. He had a 10-2, 10-300 meter dash in high school. He was supposed to redshirt, was the fifth string running back coming into the season. Stephen Carr was hurt and and Maipai was hurt. And he ends up playing and he looks pretty dog on good for USC. And I don't think there's anybody in the entire world of fantasy football that drafted Keenan Christian in a draft. If you did, let me know, show me proof and I'll send you $50. I would have said a hundred, but there may be that one USC Trojan fan that listens that did draft Keenan Christian, but I highly doubt it. When you're talking about wide receivers, Kane, you hit a couple of guys. Another guy that I really like on the same Georgia team is George Pickens. Everybody knows who George Pickens is, though, but I think he is a future first-round NFL draft pick, a future stud. I like what I've seen out of him. And I'll drop a couple of quarterbacks out there. Everybody knows about Bo Nix from Auburn. Uh, Everybody probably knows about Jaden Daniels, the quarterback out of Arizona State but I really, really like Sam Howell, the quarterback out of the University of North Carolina. Should have gotten a win versus Clemson a couple of weeks ago, but Mac Brown decides to run a triple option for the two-point conversion with a quarterback who is not a Russian quarterback, but Sam Howell looks like he's going to be a really good quarterback here in the near future, and Keaton Slovis out of USC. I, I know I sound like the the West Coast version of Kane in Minnesota because I am a USC Trojans fan. But Keaton Slovis looks like he's got some arm talent and he's going to be around to stay with Urban Meyer probably coming in. And even if he doesn't, with Graham Harrell as the OC, I think Slovis is going to continue to shine. And, you know, I love JT Daniels, but that was a devastating knee injury that he suffered. So uh, we'll see how he recovers from that. But I think it's Keaton Slovis' job. So when you're talking about those 2022 prospects, there goes a couple of guys from Kane and myself to kind of keep your eyes out on. So, uh, Kane, this next one is for you from just, uh, just E M A R C O N F L, whatever that is, just Marcon NFL. Is AJ Dillon, is AJ Dillon, uh, can AJ Dillon be a three down back in the future? What are your thoughts on AJ Dillon running back out of BC?
0: You know, that's. That's a question I got quite a bit after I obviously posted that video of A.J. Dillon. I think he has the skill set. It's just not, you know, when you're carrying the ball as many times as he is, um, that's just the one scary thing with him. He has 799 carries through three seasons. Um, so that's a scary number, um, especially when we're looking at touch counts and things like that. But that, So that's a little scary. Um, but I think A.J. Dillon can do it. And if this is a guy that has the ability, you know, that can... That can always shine when he has the ball. A late second round, early third round pick, I don't think is... uh, I don't think that's too bad when you're looking at a guy that has the ability to do everything. Um, And I think some teams that really have that power running style, they're going to fall in love with this guy. And, you know, that's really not going to surprise me.
1: So, somebody the other day, he tells me, well, Ray, you like Derrick Henry, but you don't like A.J. Dillon. Please explain that to me. And... I didn't even engage with it because I just don't really debate people on Twitter. But I wanted to ask you do you think, and I know Derrick Henry is much taller at six foot three, but he's about 250 pounds. Derrick Henry is very fast when he gets in the open field. One thing that I've never seen happen to Derrick Henry is him get caught from behind. But do you see any similar play style between a Derrick Henry and maybe an A.J. Dillon?
0: Um, I think the biggest difference is that, believe it or not, Derrick Henry has a little more lateral agility than A.J. Dillon does. Um, And that's definitely something that people noted when um, Derrick Henry was coming out. He was big, but he was able to move and really find the hole. Um, So that's definitely something that we look at with Derrick Henry. Um, A.J. Dillon, he has great ball carrier vision, but I just don't see the lateral agility yet. Um, I'm going to keep watching film, obviously, and going back and re-watching, but I just don't see the lateral agility that I want to see from a guy like that. Um, I don't know if you're seeing the same thing, but that's definitely something that I'm seeing. I like Derrick Henry. I like A.J. Dillon. I just think Derrick Henry, you know, is a little more of a complete back, just in the sense of having the ball in his hands. He has a little more move, um, has a few more moves other than just uh, going through the guy, which is A.J. Dillon's specialty.
1: So here's my here's my thinking with AJ Dillon. He's clearly a very talented running back. He's been a prolific rusher in college, and as we've seen each and every Sunday, running backs are valuable. Right now, the Colts are playing the Texans, and the running backs are Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson and Jordan Wilkins and Jonathan Williams. And and you're telling me that. Nobody in on in fantasy football was thinking about Jonathan Williams two weeks ago, but injuries happen, and it gives people the opportunity to step up and make plays. So uh, A.J. Dillon will be drafted. A.J. Dillon will be on a roster. So while I may not be as high on A.J. Dillon as you and, and some others, Kane, you're not the only one who really likes uh, A.J. Dillon's game. He's somebody that you know, I say never A.J. Dillon, but if he's sitting there uh, for me a little bit later than the late second, but if he slips to the late third or even the early fourth round of a a dynasty rookie draft, that's somebody that I'm going to pick up and I'm just going to put on my taxi squad or stash him at the end of the bench. And if his number is called, I do think that he can give you productive fantasy weeks. Sometimes all you need is a week. All you need is two weeks. Like, I need a win tonight in one of my leagues, and I started Jonathan Williams. If I had to start A.J. Dillon as a spot start for a week or two, heck, you know, those are, you want running backs on your team. They get hurt so often, you need to have them. So he's going to be drafted. He's going to make a team. Therefore, he needs to be rostered in your dynasty leagues.
0: Yeah, just the biggest thing I would mention when it comes to A.J. Dillon, um, I'm completely going to be off of him if he's drafted by a team that, is a zone running scheme. Um, so, if you are looking at teams like, not that Arizona would draft him, but their zone running scheme um, that they have there, I believe. And then, you know, Minnesota obviously a huge zone running scheme. Right. Um, if they're going to a zone running scheme, I am not drafting AJ Dylan. Um, that just doesn't fit his skill set, and I am not going to wait, um, you know, four years for him to go to another team, to maybe produce. Um, That's just, that's one one time when I'm going to be out on A.J. Dillon. But if he's drafted by a power running team, yeah, I'm going to love it.
1: Well, that's a good point. I mean, heck, the Titans need a backup running back. I mean, Deion Lewis is not the guy. So what if, hypothetically, you know, he's drafted to the Titans to be Derrick Henry's backup? I think that would be uh, he'd be a very valuable handcuff, I believe, if something like that happens. Really good point talking about the scheme fit with these players, Kane. I, I love that. All right, so at this point in the show, um, you know, Kane, I know that you're uh, – there's, there's a question that you've posed to a couple of people, and there's a, a, a draft that you've got going on over there at uh, DFF, Dynasty Football Factory. So let the listeners know what's going on and, and what do you have – uh, what question do you have about uh that's going on in this league cuz this is interesting
0: yeah so um it's a uh, 12 team super flex rookie mock um, for this upcoming season and we were just kind of going through and I have the 104 and you know I just wasn't quite sure with with who I was going to go with I'll I'll lay it out here so that first pick obviously Joe Burrow makes sense in a super flex um that second pick DeAndre Swift still still making sense to me. That third pick, Jerry Judy. So now my quarterback one, my running back one, and my wide receiver one all off the board. Um, I know you and I have different wide receiver ones, um, but in my scenario, you know my top guys off the board. So I'm sitting there at the 104, and in a super flex mock, am I taking Tua, or am I gonna go with my wide receiver two or my running back two? Um, those being C.D. Lamb and Jonathan Taylor, respectively.
1: <laughs> right.
0: And and that's the confusing part, right? Is everyone so close together and Superflex quarterbacks being so important. Are you willing to take Tua early and have him sit the whole year?
1: Uh, yes, I believe that I am because DeAndre Swift is off the board. He is my 101. And he with the landscape right now, I'd even consider him at the 101, even in a super flex. I probably wouldn't do it, but I consider it. Um, and I know we have differing wide receiver ones, but if my wide receiver one was off of the board as well, if I'm sitting there at the 104, I, I think I would, but I also think that you probably could wait a little bit and and risk two of falling a little bit further, and whether that's trading up to get him whether that's, you know, I think that right now where we stand today, I think people are so fearful of that injury. I I happen to believe, I really feel, and I'm not a doctor. I don't have any inside information. I listen to all the Twitter doctors who did not operate on his hip, but they know everything because they've dealt with that injury before. Um, And they say that he's going to make a recovery. And I know there are some people who may be a little more pessimistic on what his long-term prognosis is going to be, but I, I just I don't think that we've seen the last of Tua Tonga And even if he red shirts for the twenty twenty season, which I believe that is going to happen, it's inevitable. If he's a first round pick in the NFL draft, he's going to start in twenty twenty one. He's going to be the starting quarterback somewhere, and you might get a situational blessing. He may fall. Uh, far enough to land with the Chargers or to, you know what if the Patriots or the Saints traded up to get him he might land in an even better situation so where we stand today Kane if if I was sitting there at the 104 I probably would take the bet on Tua this class is deep we know this class is deep at running back this class is deep at wide receiver even if you take Tua here you're still going to be able to get Uh, another uh, solid player in the second round or if you make another move up. But I would probably bet on Tua because I believe 80% of Tua Valoa, 80% of what we thought he could become is probably still better than 10 to 12 quarterbacks that are playing NFL football right now.
0: Okay, so you mentioned that. Let's just play a little game here. So you're either going to choose Tua or whichever quarterback I mentioned. I just want to see... Um, where is falling for you, okay? All right. So we got Tua or Baker. And Baker. this is Dynasty. Baker. Okay, Tua or Matt Ryan? Tua. Um, Tua or Jared Goff?
1: <laughs> Tua. Right now, I'd take Tua over Jared Goff.
0: Yep. Um, Tua or um, Kirk Cousins?
1: Mm, how old is Kirk?
0: 31
1: 31 Kirk's got another five years uh Dynasty I, I I would take I would I can't play the age game because I just dismissed Jared Goff really fast I'd probably take Tua over Kirk and Dynasty
0: hey, Tua or Josh Allen
1: I'm a Josh Allen fan so I'd probably go with the with the the, the rushing quarterback I'll probably go with Josh Allen I like what I've seen out of him this year I'd go with Josh Allen
0: yeah I, ju- I just wanted you know point that out and there's some quarterbacks right now that will always be starting in Superflex that we'd rather have Tua over when Tua's at 80%. Um, yeah. So obviously in that mock, I didn't take Tua. Um, I ended up going with Jonathan Taylor, and I also pick again at the 110, so I'm going to hope that Tua's there. But I'm just going to you know kind of read the room. If I'm in a real league and I take Jonathan Taylor, and there's a guy – that gets really peeved that I took Jonathan Taylor, you know, and he's he might be sitting at let's say he for instance, he has like the 1-8 and the 201 or the 1-8 and the 112. Does he like Jonathan Taylor enough to move both of those picks to get him? Yeah. There's a chance he might. That might be his running back one. Um so that's that's a trade that I would do in a heartbeat.
1: All right, all right. That was a fun game. I was not expecting that, and that was a fun game. So uh Kane. I really appreciate you jumping on the DDP, man. I, I, I hope you come back. But before you go, uh, let our listeners know what you're working on, where they can find your work, and, and where they can find you on social media.
0: Yes, you can find me on Twitter at DFF underscore Kane. Like Ray said at the top of the show, I'm the director of Devi and College at DFF, which is Dynasty Football Factory. Um, and we have a really great promo Going on right now. If you're one of the eight people that uh, doesn't have a DraftKings profile yet, if you want, if you want to make one, you can get a free subscription to DFF. So uh, go through DFF, and you can get that hooked up. Um, We have a ton of stuff going on. We have writers, just like most other Dynasty sites, that go from DFS to Devi to college football to draft guys. People that do Dynasty and Redraft, all those fun things. Um, So we have probably about 40 or 50 great riders over there. Um, So it's a lot of fun to be working for them. And yeah, you mentioned at the top of the show, the Debbie Diet. That's kind of my new thing where I eat a snack and try to compare it to a college college football player. And, uh, you know, just kind of make it a little more personal and get some of these names out there that people might not know yet. Um, So I'm never going to do, you know, top tier guys. It's always going to be that... Second tier or lower, um, just so people know some of these guys. And I just really like eating food, so I just married the two together, and uh, I've had a ton of fun with it. Um, and Ray, I just want to thank you for having me on. Obviously, I've been listening to this podcast since it started, um, and I love what you do. And I'm just really happy to be here. And uh, you know, Sky baby, we're gonna take the Big <laughs> Ten West, and then we're gonna win. We're gonna be in the college football playoff after beating Ohio State. And uh, and we'll see what happens from there.
1: Kane, I love it, man. You are truly, man, and I mean this sincerely. You, your, the way that you interact with people, man. Your positivity, the way that you can agree and disagree with people in a respectful manner, and you're always showing love to folks, man. I, I mean it sincerely. I definitely appreciate the uh, the energy that you bring to this fantasy football community because we all know sometimes it's a nasty, cruel place, man. So keep being you, brother. I, I appreciate your work. I enjoy your stuff, man. You guys follow Kane on Twitter. Did you uh, give your, your Twitter handle, Kane? I don't know if you said it.
0: Yeah, I think I did. It's at DFF underscore Kane. And if you go on Twitter right now and, you know, there's like – Ray said, I'm all about positivity. So if there's something that you're thankful for, um, I'm going to, I started today. It's my seven day of thankfulness. Um, So if you see that tweet and you just want to let me know what you're thankful for and you want to have a conversation about it, man, I'm all ears. Um, So hop on my Twitter. It's seven days of thankfulness um, as we lead up to Thanksgiving. And let's just spread that positivity and cheer um, because positivity is one of those things that's completely infectious. Um, And we want to get people feeling good about themselves and the people around them.
1: And there it is. Kane just closed us out. That's the show. You know what's next. Drop the music.